0: Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 87, we welcome Shelby Dash and Christina Clifford. Shelby and Christina, both professionally trained comedic actresses, started making comedy videos just for fun in 2015. What started out as a passion project turned into a career when various brands and businesses started approaching them for custom video content. Although content creation is no longer just a hobby, Shelby and Christina still bring that same sense of fun to every project they tackle, leaving their clients with something truly unique. They handle every aspect of production, from ideation to editing, a one-stop shop for all of your video content needs. Shelby and Christina, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us, Anthony.
0: So like we do with all of our first time guests, why don't you just take a few minutes and give us that story overview of your careers and kind of how you came together to to do all of this uh, um, video content and and connecting it into the business world. This is a different kind of topic for us on Data Leadership Lessons, and we are excited to have you here.
1: Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, well, me and Shelby both came out separately separately to L.A. to pursue acting. That was our big passion, and I think comedy in, in addition to that. Um, and we met in that world. And initially I was like, gosh, she's so funny. She's so smart. She's motivated to make these videos. And she's always always very much in, like good with the technology stuff, which I'm more <laughs> like, creative, I would say. Um, so we started making these videos and the more we did, the better we got, the more we learned. And I remember we posted a video and it got like ten thousand views like really quickly, and we were like, "Oh, okay, people like this kind of humor. Um, let's keep doing this let's let's start putting out more content let's let's make it consistent." And we did that for several years, and we never even thought to make it a business. It was always just a passion product and to get ourselves out there um, in the acting world and writing world. so when the pandemic hit, it was kind of the light bulb turned on and we were both like, why aren't we doing this for brands and businesses? And we got connected to an ad agency randomly and started making videos for them to make a little income. And we kind of realized that we had all the skill sets from all those years to um, put towards brand stuff. And then we were like, why don't we expand? And We started our LLC last year in August. So baby company Um, and we're learning, we're learning. (laughs) Yeah, definitely we're learning, but it's been a fun
2: ride. And, you know, I think it feels a lot more natural than, um, you know, people that team up and they're like, Hey, let's start a business. like. Even though we've only, you know, had our LLC for less than a year, we've been working together for ten plus years, and, you know, we have like a very strong relationship. And I know I can, you know, depend on Christina and trust her with anything. And I truly value her opinions, and um, she makes me laugh, you know. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so, it's been a it's been a fun, a challenging but fun ride. Um, and I think it's yeah, it's it's been a joy. And it's only just, growing, so. I just, I was laughing at the beginning. I, I don't know if people are watching the video, maybe they saw this, but, because I just realized we're, we're matching. We're wearing, <laughs> like, the same outfit. <laughs> we did not plan that. So that's an but, insight into our relationship.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fantastic. So I have to ask you. So you've you've kind of found this world of creating content for marketing purposes and and with businesses and stuff. But it seems like you came at it from that entertainment perspective. Now, have you studied? Did you study marketing, like in college, or or what have you, or did the did literally just entertaining end up connecting you to this because you were providing these kinds of of abilities that that I mean. I, I hate to tell you, but in the broader data management and data professional community, things can get a little dry. Things can get a little <laughs> bit less than entertaining. Like some people would even call it boring. I, I wouldn't, but some have. And so I I see that being just a void in, in how people have approached this area in particular. But is that something where you had always had like, oh, I love marketing, and, and but I really wanted to do the entertainment stuff? Or was it just like you're fit in that pulled you into this marketing space completely unintentionally
1: i would say
2: yeah it was pretty unintentional um i mean i did study communications in college but um i you know i it didn't prepare me to be creating ads for people certainly um and i also worked for a small production company before christine Mm. and i kind of went out on our own and we did do some, you know, corporate marketing videos, stuff like that. But um, in terms of doing straight up, funny YouTube ads and commercials, um, yeah, it just kind of happened um, more from the creative side of things, I think, which has been, so for us, like the, um, a lot of the challenge is kind of learning the ins and outs of the
1: business side of things. Um, so, yeah. But I feel like they do go hand in hand like you said, funnily, unintentionally, um, because we were kind of learning how to get those eyeballs when doing the comedy videos, what people like to see. Like we we learned that relatable content was the best content for us and our brand at the time. And so you learn those little things of what people like or what people think is funny. So in that sense, I think, we learned that and just added it to the whole marketing aspect.
0: This makes logical sense to me because I think when it comes from the other direction, it often isn't funny. It's more cringy. A lot of the time, like it, it doesn't quite work because you're trying to force something in that is less creative. You, you, you're, you have too much of a business purpose in my, and this is like me, like this. is. I, so the, the, the secret here is, is that, be recording this podcast is basically like a ultra frugal, cheap person's therapy. Like I, I think through this from my perspective and, and like work through these problems. But I come at it from a very business centric mindset and very technical, like great technology platforms and data stuff. And, and yet I realize that when you have that kind of focus in what your outcome needs to be, it becomes extremely yeah. difficult to be creative about it. And so if you can approach it more purely from the creative side and then find a path back to it, but without that hard binding from the beginning, I think it might lead to a better product in the end because it starts by being entertaining and interesting and then ultimately pulling through a message that's relevant for business purposes, but didn't start there. When you start there, oh, things yeah. get way too serious, way too quickly. Am I? Would you agree with that kind of perception off the top of my head and trying to figure this out?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. Um, You know, a lot of times people say having like parameters helps you be more creative because, you know, it kind of narrows your focus a little bit. But I think if you're coming at it thinking purely about results and numbers and, oh, we want to, you know, all of a sudden you want to hit women, you know, 25 to 45, but you also want to hit men. Um, We don't want to neglect the men. And then we're just worried about how many Sales, can we make off this video? Um, are we hitting the CTA hard enough? And it's like, at the end of the day, you're hitting the CTA hard enough if you're creating something that's entertaining that people want to watch and share with their friends and family.
0: That's really interesting. What clicked for me just then is I realized, and and I've been working on a second edition of the book that I wrote on data leadership. and And one of the things that I felt was missing was making it, a little bit more visually interesting. And what I learned Mm -hmm. is like, I can, I can kind of talk about things. Like I can present things and and do public speaking. And I kind of wrote a book the way I public speak. And so that, that was a reasonable transfer. Where I run into a wall is when I try to turn that into something visually interesting, like what that picture should be. And maybe I have an idea in the back of my head. This might be interesting. It wasn't until I started working with an illustrator whose passion, who's excellent at coming up with the visual doesn't know any of the business concepts but could take my little feed in and say here's what i'm kind of thinking and and she would be able to tell that story visually in a way i couldn't even imagine and it's that kind of connection to to somebody totally different who does what they do best but can align with what you do best that's when magic really comes together like because when i when it was done i saw i'm like I can't even imagine this book any other way now i can't even imagine how this will ultimately be complete unless i have these images alongside it and and that that kind of connection i can imagine you're doing on a daily basis with these with these brands and with these businesses that don't know how to take this awesome thing that they've built or that they do and connect it to an audience to a customer base that doesn't understand that can't look inside that company the same way. And you can, you can translate that message for them. How, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, that's so funny, when,
1: when you were, when you were talking about that, I mean, I think it honestly, at least for me, it comes back to my acting background because when you are acting and you are reading a script, you do have to think very visually and use that imagination part of your brain to kind of figure out different nuances and how you want to uh, play a certain action or you have to really imagine it to kind of get into the character. And I mean, it's helped with our writing as well, because we also write screenplays. So I think living in that world a lot is, is helpful for the brain because you could, we can visualize it in that way. We can kind of see we imagine what the script will look like for like a branded concept or something. We can visualize it. And I think it is a muscle. I really Mm -hmm. do. Um, But I agree a hundred percent. Like I do think you need both sides to come together um, to make it, you know, the perfect, the perfect video or a product.
0: So I'm I'm curious uh, in thinking a little bit more about comedy and 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 where funny comes from, what funny really is, because I have, for in my own personal life, so I have I have twin daughters that are seven, oh. and they yeah. are identical twin redhead daughters, and like they're they're great, but they have extremely different senses of what's funny. Like one is total slapstick and will be like physical humor and does a crazy dance or whatever. The other one's just sitting there quietly and then says the most random insanely funny thing you'll you'll ever think about. And I'm like, these are two people who look identical and have wildly different senses of humor and they're both right. Most of the time, sometimes they're pretty awful, but it's it's really a lot of the time like they are approaching it from entirely different perspectives and they're both funny. Mm-hmm. How do you do that in and how do you figure out what might work alongside you know we were talking kind of about like this business there's a business purpose in a lot of what you're doing now and yet y- to be funny you you need some freedom as well but then to somehow connect it on the back end how do you in the like how could you possibly break that down and turn it into something that works across all those different dimensions
2: yeah um i think one of the Biggest things that we do because, like you said, comedy is not a perfect science. Everybody has a different, you know, sense of humor, and we're trying to hit as many people as we can, capture as many eyeballs as we can. So Um, When we're, you know, going into production for a client, usually we break our video up into three sections. So we have the hook, the core, and the CTA. The hook is that first three to five seconds that's a big attention grabber. The core is where we get out all of the product information. Obviously the CTA is the call to action. So whenever we, um, you know, come up with a concept, we usually come up with multiple hooks and then one core and then two different CTA options. So that way, the client can test the different hooks and see what the top performer is because, you know, sometimes the one that we think is the absolute funniest is not the top performer. Um, it's mm. the sleeper that we never, we are like, ah, eh, we'll just do it anyway. You know? Um, and also with those hooks, we can hit those different, um, those different angles. Like you mentioned your two daughters, one loves slapstick, one loves, you know, a quiet one-liner. So mm. A lot of times we'll have some hooks that are super visual, like for a client that's, you know, a cat, It's a a cat litter company. We have, you know, a guy and we reveal that he's sitting around like life-size litter clumps. So that would be a super visual joke versus like we have some other hooks with him that are more like one-liner jokes where he's shaving in the bathroom, stuff like that. So, um... Yeah, it's not a perfect science. I think the key is just to deliver as many options as possible so that, you know, you can see um, what your audience is responding to, because responses will vary, too, even just depending on, like, the time of year, what's going on in the country, what's going on in the world. So, um, you know, there's all those variables at play.
1: And we do try to come from the angle of relatability. That's like our cornerstone is because we, when we, we know who the target audience is, we can then kind of hone in, okay, what would be relatable for this target audience? Cause everybody laughs at the relatable. If it relates to you and someone calls it out and points it out, you're like, huh? Oh yeah, I do that too. So it's that little bit of like connection that you can get from relatable humor. And so I think that is like a big guide for us. Of where we we
0: tend to hone in on it it reminds me of of some uh, advice I give to to other speakers that are, are looking to get started with with giving professional talks or what have you is is because it's the exact same thing is the talk isn't about you. It's not about who you are, what you did or whatever. People need to understand what is it about this that applies to them and how can it help them in what they are trying to do? And so you have to turn, you can't just stand up there and say, okay, this is why I'm so great. No one cares. It's it's why is what you've learned going to help me be great in my own journey? And that's what matters. You really have to take that kind of approach of saying, how can I give the audience something they can work with and, and use and get better with because that's the thing that matters and and it it stinks sometimes because you see so many people that are out there thinking it's really about them and they miss an opportunity to help so much if they Mm -hmm. just had made that connection and so i can totally understand where you're coming from on that is that you have to put the viewer of that content whatever it is into a place where they get it where they understand and they and they can see and be part of that journey vicariously through whatever's happening there and then connect to it in the end and then want to take that call to action seriously and and take that action that that's that's next step so it's really cool to see like this is in some ways it's really novel it's really interesting to me but at the same rate, it's it's really familiar. Did you just do the same thing to me that you did with the audiences for your content? Because I related to that, and now <laughs> I've made this connection, and I'm like, okay, what's next?
1: Um, oh, that's so funny.
0: So how I, I, how does an organization know like this is a thing we should do? Like, because I think there's a lot of organizations out there that are, are trying to find innovative ways to market but like and on this show like we have a lot of people that are watching that don't have big budgets or that you know some are are part of larger organizations but you know how do they like who are you targeting with what you're offering um because it is a little bit outside of of the straight and narrow and 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 kind of normal thing that an organization might be thinking about
1: i would say go ahead johnny no, you go, you go. <laughs> I, would, I would say uh, the, the people that we like to work with or think should work with us are people who are like, say an early startup that has like a decent budget who are willing to take these risks. They're kind of starting off, they're, they're building from the ground up, they're trying to figure out what works. And if they're willing to take these risks, we always say, I mean, that's the best thing you can do um, because then you don't put yourself in a box. Um, and so we want to work with people who want to take those comedic risks and um, kind of find themselves within that. I feel like Shelby could say it better.
2: <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. That was great. I mean, I was just thinking too, with you talking about being a speaker and whatnot. We actually have a new client who does a lot of speaking, um sort of for corporate events and, you know, about marketing and inspiration and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, so working with her is like a little bit different than I guess what we're used to with doing sort of more of like a product video, um, a video about like something tangible that you can buy. Um, But at the same time, it just comes down to the fact that like, she is willing to take the risk and she wants something that's really going to pop. And um, capture people's attention the same way she does when she's speaking. Um, she's a little bit outside the box in the best way. And so we're trying to come up with content that kind of matches that. So I would say, yeah, it, we we could fit with anybody um, as long as you're willing to, to take the risk. And it's, you have
0: a budget. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, especially because you, you were talking about doing some A-B testing and coming up with different approaches. And that that kind of uh, testing takes some scale, takes some uh, resources, but it, it will lead to a... Um, understanding and mathematically driven, um, you know, analysis of, of how this is actually making an impact. So I, I do think that that's, you know, there's a, for a lot of this stuff, there's a certain amount of scale. It's probably I've had other like marketing agency folks and 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 different things on the podcast before. And, and I'm like, you're probably playing it a little bit bigger of an arena than a, I don't know, data leadership podcast that has a marketing budget in the tens of dollars, you know, like that's <laughs> probably more than, than and um, you know what? What I would be able to do, and for this, but like, there's a lot of places where where you can do that. I'm curious, like how you know, how do you make that kind of connector? How do you figure out what kind of content or vehicle? Um, approach may be relevant for something like you talked about uh like a kitty litter one or, or a speaker or like I, I i think that it's just completely mysterious to many of us uh, how the that creative process works especially when you're collaborating with other people like i i, I think we can relate to individuals that are think oh i'm just gonna work really hard and come up with this brilliant idea and then we're gonna make it and it's gonna be great but like how do you collaborate and like try to what does that process even look like? Or as from a client perspective, I like to ask a bunch of questions and they're all half-formed until I finally get to one that's worth <laughs> asking. And I think the question that I have is totally is like, <laughs> how do you how do you get with a client to a point where you you understand that process going forward? Like like figure out okay, this is a path we're worth pursuing together, and we were going to have a content strategy around X. Can you can you give us a story about um, how that how that works?
1: You want to do it? You, oh yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, well, the thing is, I, I feel like every client is is very different. So we always, whenever we uh, talk with the initial uh, a client, we always listen very intently. And it, every client is different in terms of how they work, how they want to move forward. Some are want to be more hands on and in the mix, while others are like kind of like let me hang back and let you do your thing. I mean, obviously they're gonna have final approval and steps along the way, but I think it it just, you know, it just varies. But in the process, when you talked about how we work, we usually do like the listening, and then we go back, we do a full brainstorm where me and Shelby just spit off ideas willy nilly, like nothing is dumb, nothing is, is too weird and we kind of come up with you know 10 to 15 different ideas and we then we go back and we look over them and like what works best for this product with all its parameters and we'll circle our favorite 5 and come up with possible hooks for each and then we'll pitch it to the client and see how they react and if they resonate to any any of the ideas and from there then we'll kind of take the idea and do a deep dive and, and really get to the nitty gritty of the, the script writing and the, the various hooks. So that's the typical process. Um, some is more involved than others. It just, you know, depend on what the product or service is. Um, I don't know. Did that answer your question?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I that, did. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it Cause it, what what I like about that is that it sounds like a familiar agency kind of process. Like that's something that is regimented. There's some structure to it. There's some repeatability there, but the outputs of it could go in a bunch of different directions based on all of those different jumps, which is is kind of how I would expect it to be to a point. But I also am fascinated by this because I know I couldn't go and do the same kind of work with any kind of success as the other stuff that I do in my career. So it's it it is interesting to me how you you kind of go through that process. And then you have to make some judgment calls, especially when you're when you're whittling down from like a brainstorm to like, okay, we're going to give the client three options or five options or whatever of of like these are paths that we think are viable and and we could Mm -hmm. we could really explore. Um, Can you tell me a story of like when you've been really surprised at how like you were starting out and then. It didn't go. It didn't end up going how you expected it to go. Because you you touched on one with with um where like sometimes the the unexpected sleeper ends up being like the one that really works. I would love to hear more stories about how sometimes this process goes into some you know unpredictable places.
2: Yeah, I mean it happens pretty much every, every meeting that we have, I would say like every pitch we do, I feel like at least for me, um, I, you know, if we have three ideas or five ideas, whatever, I feel like, you know, she and I usually have the ones that were like, this one is crazy. They're never going to go for this, not in a million years. And then we have one where they're like, we're like, oh, this is a shoe and this is a done deal. And then we have some safe ones as a backup, but I can't tell you. It's like every time I feel like they go for the crazy one. It, it It's like, or maybe there's a crazy one and there's the one like a little less crazy. Like that's usually the one that hits, but it's worth noting too, like when we do do these pitches, because we come from an acting background, we fully act out every role. We play all the parts. Like today, Christina was a gremlin. I was a fairy godmother. We do the whole shebang, you know? So um Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of times too, when you're, when you're doing stuff like that on a zoom call and you're presenting to corporate people, like their faces can look very, um, (laughs) stone-faced and, you know, we're really like putting ourselves out there, but you know, because we're so used to, like, auditioning and all that stuff and doing comedy, it's just kind of, you know, sometimes you just have to push through. And I can't tell you how many times, like, as soon as we finish, they, they, like, light up and they're like, oh, that was so great. We love that. And it's like, I'm so glad that, you know, we didn't bail in the middle of that and kind of scale back our performance or think, you know, oh, they hate this one, whatever,
1: because you really never know. Um, yeah. gosh I think an example recently, um, we we had some, you know, silly a lot of personification. We do a lot of personification, especially for this more recent B two B client, Um, and we did some more tame stuff. And then the one that they loved was like uh, her version of like Charlie's Angels, essentially like over the top, like the intros with each like angel we call them bombshells for her but um and she went for that one and we were both kind of like wow i'm I'm surprised (laughs) a little over the top is still super fun
2: we went full 70s with her the craziest (laughs) one we
1: probably pitched was
2: her name but like magnum pi and (laughs) that was that was the one that a little too far, I think. <laughs> but right under that was our Charlie's Angels.
0: So, yeah. There's a couple of great lessons in here. Because, like, one, I always talk, like, in, in a lot of different contexts, is, is you've got to swing the pendulum to both extremes as much as you can. And so, like, you want to have one that you know is going to be a little bit beyond what they're likely to have, <laughs> and you want one that's going to be a little bit on the other side. And and that way you can calibrate appropriately. Because if mm. you're always – and this is true of people in their job searches, true of, of, of leaders in, in organizations. If you always miss on the same side, mm. um, it kind of goes back to a, a quote that I, I recall. Um, Howard Schultz from Starbucks had, had been quoted as saying, like, every day I want to make a decision that costs this company money. And on the yeah. surface, you're like, what are you talking about? That sounds like a really bad idea to do. But as you think about it, you realize, OK, if you're the CEO of Starbucks, every single decision you make is going to have a financial consequence to that organization. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make at least one mistake out of the however many dozens of decisions you make every day, you're probably not pushing hard enough, right? You're probably not swinging that pendulum enough either way. So similarly, on the creative side, if you're not going over the top a little bit here or there, then you're just not extracting the most value from those opportunities. And then the second piece that really got me thinking is, is like, well, first off, like it feels like your worst day is better than my best days. Some of the times, but that's not really true because there's actually a lot more in common here than I realized at first, because like one of the things, especially with all of this virtual stuff, that's got to be really challenging in certain ways. And it's it's got to be nice in other ways because you don't have to travel for every meeting or, or what have you, but you don't know what's coming through on that screen or how they're reacting. You're robbed of a lot of that feedback mm-hmm. and I, I as a speaker I have that a lot like my least favorite thing in the world to do is a webinar when it's completely one directional I have my slides I have that's recording my video but I have no idea if anybody out there is even hearing me let alone enjoying what I'm talking about right and so it's yeah. you lack all of that feedback that becomes a very challenging thing to keep pushing through because there's times where you're like I think I'm just completely lost at all now and and everybody <laughs> is done and and like sometimes I'm like I don't even know if the microphones work at this point like right. who knows you just keep pushing through and so to be able to do that in those circumstances is extremely challenging so I really appreciate what you mentioned there of like not having that level of feedback because this is not an, an improv comedy you know club somewhere where you can feel that energy mm-hmm. it is a screen in front of you and you're trying your best but it, it can be exhausting too even when you love this stuff it can, it can definitely mm-hmm. be exhausting
1: oh my god not having that reaction is is real tough especially when people's cameras are fully off that you feel like you're just in a sea yeah yeah
2: that that I can't I can't deal
1: with the camera that Starbucks quote though because that is exactly what we should tell our clients or potential clients
2: yeah because
1: they will be taking a risk maybe with our content so but it, it, I feel like it's it's a good risk to take. High <laughs> risk, high reward. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it should be. But it, that's the the the. I think the standard too of of something that if you're going to try to do something entertaining and something that has a true hook and isn't just you know, the same thing over and over again. Like it is going to be risky, but you know, Shelby, to your point, it it really is that high reward, but it needs to stand out too. So Mm -hmm. don't go 60% on it and just have it be sad in the end. Like, Oh, they almost tried. They almost did something well. Like, I, I, there's yeah. a lot of times where I'm like, you know, I'd rather just fail spectacularly or succeed spectacularly because yeah. at the end, at least it'll be interesting. Right. At least yeah. then it won't be forgotten. And maybe that's OK, but I want to just keep putting myself out there. I think that's too like I've noticed a trend like if for some reason when I hit like 80 episodes of this podcast. There is a part of me that just kind of shifted, and now I have absolutely no filter. And I think most people are <laughs> like, You didn't have a filter before, pal, but I'm I really don't have a filter now. And and that's so much more fun. And so yeah. if you can get to that point of comfort where you can have that kind of engagement, even in a pitch meeting, even if it's something where they decide, you know what, we can't quite bring ourselves to do this right now. They will remember you, and there will be a time, hopefully, where they will come back and say, now, now we get it. Now we now we want to move forward. And that that's always a great feeling when somebody comes back to you later and says, hey, um, you know, that really impacted us, that really changed something for us. And and doing that kind of thing, having the talent that you have to be able to come into an unfamiliar situation, an unfamiliar business and help them do something that they can't do. I mean, how it doesn't get better than that. Like, that's true in consulting. That's true in entertainment. But that to me is, is why we do all of this stuff. It's so much it's 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 so humbling and so much fun to have that kind of ability to influence anything and so um it's gotta it's gotta feel great to have that that kind of connection with these folks do you have do you have any stories of like you know where you've done this and the the clients had gone through kind of that transformation or that kind of like started off leery I've, I've noticed this pattern too sometimes they'll start off leery. the ones that are hardest to sell turn into your biggest advocates in the end right <laughs> and and how, have you had that experience in, in what you do as well
2: you know it's i i actually can't think of a time that we have like i i feel like oh. you can
1: Yeah, well, semi-recently, there was a gentleman we met and he he was starting his skincare line and um, he was like, you know, I I don't know much about you guys, but um, I just want to, I want this video. And he pointed out a specific video that he he wanted to, well, essentially emulate. And it it wasn't based on comedy or anything like that, Um, but we had a call with him and he was a little weary. He was like, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys can do this. Like, oh, it's, it, it, it. we just kind of gave him, um, I mean, the things he needed to hear um, that we, we could do it and gave him the confidence. And we ended up doing it and he was he was over the moon. And he was like, gosh, he's like, when I need another video, I'm definitely coming back to you guys and recommending you to other people. So I think that's the first thing that came to mind
2: yeah, that's a that's a good one. Actually, I completely forgot about that. I was going to say, because I guess I was thinking more in terms of the comedy, but usually when people like reach out to us, just from the website, they can kind of get a sense of what we do. So I feel like usually people are kind of ready to take that risk, but she's right. That's a great example of somebody that was like, I don't know if he was just trying to get a deal or if he truly did not believe we could do it. Maybe a little bit of both, but Yeah. In the end, we made a big fan out of him. So that's the goal, right?
0: (laughs) That's that's awesome. And so I I, I like to think of myself as as semi like funny, like I, I claim to have written the data book with the most jokes. Um, which is a really low bar. Like there's not that many <laughs> funny data books. And so I, I'm i really trying to be like, you know, one of the more entertaining, like funnier joke telling people like in the data space, which is just, you know, I'm trying to stack the deck in my favor on that. Um, but uh, where where you are is you live in this world of creativity and and then connect back into business to make it um, relevant and, and purposeful in, in that beyond just the entertainment value. Now, I imagine there's a lot of people out there That are watching or listening to this and and are interested in trying to do and tap into more creative things, probably somewhere between those bookends, whether it's full on creative, but then tying back to the business or it's it's mostly business, but being a little silly about it, too. Um, What advice do you have for people that want to kind of explore that creative side and maybe start. You know, attempting to do a a you know not as professional, not as as uh, carefully crafted, but at least explore that side of of what they're capable of as individuals how How would you encourage them to to do that?
1: I mean, from your point earlier, um you gotta understand what your own humor is first and foremost, and we always say to really pay attention to um, the advertisements that you gravitate to, what you think is funny and kind of break those down and and kind of analyze why do, why do we think this works? Like, what did they do here? Um, we always say, you know, especially the first three to five seconds of a video, always go for the unexpected, something that's gonna stand out and make someone like turn their head like, whoa, or... Uh, <laughs> The first thing that came around was like an explosion, but like obviously uh, budget for explosion, but no, um, but yeah, we always say go for the unexpected and yeah, I don't know where I was going with, no, that was, I mean,
2: yeah, great advice. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that it's also like, if you're new at this, you know, just like we shoot multiple hooks for a client, you know, you can have those options too. You just shoot them on your iPhone. You can shoot your multiple hooks out. Yeah. Test them out. You can mm-hmm. shoot. Um, If you're going to shoot, you might as well shoot like three TikToks in a day or something and see which one performs the best. The more you do, the more you'll narrow down what's working and what's not. Um, and, you know, editing is a big piece of it too. And that's something that's super trial and error. So, I mean, a rule of thumb for us is we like to keep things quick. We like to keep things moving. Usually if there's too much air the comedy just kind of dies. So you know, that would be another tip too. And then, like we said, just make sure you're learning from your results and not just saying like, oh man, I didn't get any likes or whatever. You know, why didn't I get any likes? Or why did this video get so many likes? Ask your friends, ask your family if they're going to be honest with you. Um,
1: <laughs> lot all those of- things will help. There's a bunch of different comedy tropes too. Like comedy, they say comedy lives in the two shot and we do a bunch of different, Characters, um, so for instance, there's a thing called peas in a pod where it's two like-minded characters who have the same very distinct point of view. And we think that's funny to the eye. Let's say like dumb and dumber is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be used um, in a lot of ways for come with a million ideas for that and then also two opposite characters you see that a lot in sitcoms like the husband and the wife the the wife is more like deadpan straight lace where the husband is googy and crazy and like you see that reaction of each other yeah. and it's, it's it's comical um i mean there's a, a million more but yeah just to give you a little little taste of ways you can approach
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and and like you mentioned earlier it is a muscle like be Doing this, just do it. Like, start yeah. doing it. Record, like you said, the the TikToks, and just continue to hone that craft and and explore that and enjoy that and and you know see where see where it goes. It doesn't all have to be prescribed. You don't have to follow the the three month plan and and these specific activities for these specific hours. Like, you you have to explore, and and it's mm-hmm. I think that's that's rewarding, and that's where like from my perspective, and a much more you know. Uh, you know tempered down, you know, tap down uh, a way, you know, doing stuff like the podcast and doing things like speaking, you know, to me is, is about trying to synthesize better ways of explaining new concepts or, or familiar concepts and and finding ways to understand things at a level that I hadn't before. And that's where like the value of this podcast to me is is I get to meet and understand and think about things from a different perspective. And the whole audience does too. And that that is just how i've found where i like to do this but each person out there could find their own and, and go in into a path that it doesn't ha- always have to be monetized it can be something that you do just because you love to do it like you know having a podcast or having a, a you know an opportunity to speak or write or, or whatever
2: yeah hundred percent i mean that's how we got started we weren't you know we were just doing this for fun we weren't making any money you know um we were putting money into it actually um so, yeah, and then now we're here. So you never know what things like that could become. And if you're truly passionate about it, mm-hmm. um, just dive in.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a great way to, to leave this because uh, we are definitely out of time. Uh, before we go, uh, for those that are listening, what, what's the best way for folks to find you?
1: Um, Take2content.com yeah. with the number two. And you can also visit our YouTube channel, take 2 Content. And at Take2Content on Instagram. And we
2: do do um, a free 30-minute call with uh, new people, which you can sign up for on our website.
0: Outstanding. Christina and Shelby, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. So fun!
0: Thank you all. Uh, thank you all out there for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.